this thing on? Anyone? Anyone? I'm back! Sit down, relax. Harvey's Huddle is back. I'm your host, Jackson Harvey. It's great to be back with you today after about a month and a half hiatus. Uh, you know, things got pretty busy. I, If you don't know me personally, I was uh, in a teaching practicum for the months of November and December. And so I was pretty much teaching non-stop and getting home around, you know, wow, that was perfectly timed, eh? Uh, getting home around 5 o'clock every night and just not being able to do much other than spending time with the family. So uh, podcast was not really possible for the last few weeks. Um, I apologize for that, but we're here when it matters most. We are here for some playoff football. We've had a great couple of months uh, leading up to this point. Some great football being played. Some really great uh, teams not making it in. Uh, maybe one in particular with the Lions. Um, but, you know, it looks like most, if not all, I'll say most because I, I don't think all really won their way into the playoffs um, and are coming in storming into the playoffs ready to play. I'd say there's a few teams that are kind of stumbling into the playoffs a la uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. So I am very excited to talk about this weekend of football. Um, I am going to do a little something different than what I did last year for the playoffs. Um, Looking back last year, you know, I picked a few wildcard games that I thought were the most interesting. Um, I did them in two episodes. Looks like I did all of the uh, real wildcard games, but... I did them a lot more in-depth, and I did them in two 20-minute episodes. Um, This time around, I am going to go ahead and do some shorter sort of previews of each game and keep them all in this one episode. So you don't have to go looking anywhere for my previews, my predictions in the AFC or the NFC wildcard. They're all going to be here today. Uh, if you haven't already, go follow us on Instagram at Harvey's Huddle. We're on Twitter at Harvey's underscore Huddle, and we're on Facebook as well. I'm going to be using that Twitter, Harvey's Huddle, quite frequently during the playoffs. Um, whenever I am watching playoff football, I will try my best to be tweeting um, those games and my reactions to the games as they are happening. First off, I just want to shout out my preseason predictions. Um, in the AFC... My predictions for the playoff teams were the Bills at the number one seed, the Chargers at the number two seed, the Ravens at the three seed, the Jaguars at the four seed, the Chiefs at the five, Raiders at the six, and Jets at the seven. Of course, I got I got mostly all of the playoff teams. Um, you know, missed on the Raiders and the Jets, but Chiefs are the number one seed. We got the Bills at the number two, Bengals three, Jaguars four. Chargers 5, Ravens 6, and Dolphins 7. So pretty close there. Only 2, so that's 5 out of 7. And in the NFC, yeah, I had the number 1 seed being the Rams. Uh, pretty unfortunate how their season turned out. Number 2 seed, Vikings. Number 3, the Buccaneers. Number 4, the Cowboys. 5 Packers, 6 Eagles, and 7, I had the Carolina Panthers. Which almost happened. Almost, almost into the playoffs for the Panthers. But in all reality, we had number one, the Eagles, number two, the 49ers, number three, the Vikings, number four, the Bucks, number five, the Cowboys, six Giants, and seven Seahawks. So 
Again, it looks like I missed out five out of seven there for a whopping 10 out of 14 teams that I predicted into the playoffs, which is pretty good, I'd say. Um, Although I'd say a good amount of them were probably locks into the playoffs, like the Bills or the Chiefs or uh, looking at the the Cowboys are usually good in the regular season. It's just a, a lot of these teams were pretty predictable. But we had a pretty unpredictable season. Who could have expected the Jaguars division to come down to the last game? Um, I had originally predicted a three-way tie in the AFC South at 9-8 and eight between the Colts, the Titans, and the Jaguars, and that the Jaguars' division record would be better. But the Jags end up the only... South Division team in the NFL with a winning record. Of course, the NFC South are all sub-500 teams. Uh, Atlanta, Carolina, and New Orleans finishing with a 7-10 record, and the Buccaneers finishing with an 8-9 record. And then, of course, the Titans finished 7-10, and the Colts and the Texans, who cares? They both got like three or four wins each. So, pretty good year for predictions. Pretty good um, opportunity to just pat myself on the back there. uh, Because, you know what? I don't think anyone else will do it for me. Um, So, just looking at... Let's take a look at the predictions for the year-end playoffs and awards. I had my MVP as Josh Allen and my Offensive Player of the Year as Josh Allen. Um, Not particularly... Josh Allen was a really popular pick back then, um, but I, you know, I couldn't have seen Allen not playing as well as he has all season long. He has not been doing fantastic. He's been okay. He's been steady. He's been solid. Don't get me wrong. Josh Allen is a great elite quarterback in the NFL, um, but he hasn't been as flashy and as big time as we expected him to be. Mahomes probably has this one on lock right now. He had a great season statistically. Everyone kind of counted him out once Tyreek Hill left. So I I would imagine Mahomes will be getting this. Offensive player of the year being Josh Allen as well. Justin Jefferson should get this. Let's not mess around. Let's not get cute. It should be Justin Jefferson. Um, and I think that should be a lock as well. One of the best wide receiver seasons we've ever seen and if you know he had a really bad game against Green Bay and if he doesn't have that bad game against Green Bay uh, I think we're looking at a new single season record holder for receiving yards in a season Uh, defense player of the year I had Micah Parsons down there still a really good possibility Um, Nick Bosa could be a possibility here as well he's had a great season for the 49ers of course he was the sack leader this year but Micah Parsons is just he is something else, man. He moves well, and I think the voters might look away from stats this one time to just the sheer athleticism and ability to beat offensive linemen uh, that Michael Parsons has. I mean, there's there's so many times where he's he's off of bodies like in one or two seconds after the snap of the ball. So he's doing a fantastic job, one of the key playmakers in the NFL. I could see Michael Parsons or Nick Bosa winning this one. Um, offensive Rookie of the Year, I had Sky Moore, the Kansas City wide receiver. Um, that doesn't seem like it's going to be the case. Let me tell you one thing: it's not going to be Brock Purdy. Uh, it's not. Let's let's just let's get that out of the way. It's not not Brock Purdy. Um, 
I could see this being potentially Chris Olave. I really could. Um, I really wish Brees Hall hadn't gotten injured because I think this would go to him, uh, given his trajectory that he was going on. But I could see Chris Olave getting this. I could see Garrett Wilson getting this. Um, and, you know, I could see Kenneth Walker. I like Kenneth Walker a lot as well. Those three are definitely all going to get votes, in my opinion. Um, Walker might run away with it just for what he's been able to do. Uh, shout out to Tyler Algier here. I think a lot of people are like, Kenneth Walker, he got 1,000 yards and in a rookie season without him being the starter at the beginning of the season. Algier did the same thing. Uh, <laughs> in fact, he was sharing the backfield with Cordell Peterson, so... I would think that his thousand yards is kind of more meaningful in my opinion. Um, but Walker has been such a catalyst to a playoff team uh, in the Seahawks that I think that he will run away with that one. Defensive rookie of the year. I had sauce Gardner, you know, I don't love the guy. I don't think he's played nearly as well as people have said he has. He's gotten away with a lot in his rookie season. A lot of, a lot of uh, hand fighting, I'll say, uh, with Sauce and his coverage. But you know he's he's been he's been pretty solid, pretty dominant for most of the season. And I don't see anyone else really being able to. Aiden Hutchinson might have made a case late in the season. And you know, in my opinion, Trayvon Walker has really come alive in the last few games for the Jaguars. But I don't think those two have done enough throughout the entire body of work, or at least they haven't done as much as Sauce Gardner has for the Jets. So I would I would lean towards Sauce Gardner here. Coach, I had Robert Sala for the New York Jets or McConnell for the Vikings. I think Doug Peterson should have this one. I would have said Staley if I didn't see Staley making some pretty huge coaching blunders in the last couple weeks of the season, including, you know, playing all your starters in a very meaningless game. Um, you know, you're, you're not willing to play your starters in the preseason, but you're willing to play your starters against the Broncos. Very tough defense when literally nothing matters. You, you have no chance to change your seating, no chance to do anything, yet you're playing your starters. Anyways, I think... Peterson should have this one on lock. Uh, there is an argument for Brian Dable. There is an argument for Kyle Shanahan. Um, my argument against Kyle Shanahan is this is a coaching of the year, not a roster of the year. I think anyone given Christian McCaffrey, the offensive line that they have, Nick Bosa, um, Fred Warner, and the defensive front that they have, not to mention Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, you better hope that any quarterback you plug in there should have some moderate success. And I didn't even mention George Kittle there either. Uh, Brock Purdy is a sensation right now, apparently. I don't think he's all that much. I think you put any rookie quarterback in there, and they're going to excel, in my opinion. Um, so I don't think it should go to Kyle Shanahan because it's not a roster of the year. It is a coach of the year award. And, you know, Dable, Dable has a good argument taking the Giants to the playoffs, but... No one, no one has an argument like Peterson. Peterson taking a back-to-back first overall pick team on the brink of absolute destruction 
with the Urban Meyer era in the Jaguars. You know, there's no there's no hope in sight, seemingly. Um, they can't seem to get anything going ever since 2017. I think they've won less than 12 games overall. And to come in and do what he has done for the Jaguars, pretty much exercise demons that they have had for years, like the Titans. They swept the Titans for the first time since 2007. They beat the Texans for the first time since 2018 or something like that. Um, They were able to have a winning record for the first time since 2017. You come in your first year of coaching, and you do what you've done with Trevor Lawrence, you do what you've done with the offense, you do what you've done with the team culture, and you've created a really tough, tough environment for teams to come into in the divisional round or in the wildcard round. Um, you won your division, you got a winning record your first year as, as head coach. I think Peterson should have that one on lock. Comeback player of the year, I had Christian McCaffrey down. Um, you know, I don't think he's done enough to have a huge comeback player of the year award uh, argument, but I could see Saquon Barkley winning this one. I don't agree that Geno Smith should win this one. Um, I don't really consider your own mediocrity to be something that you that should qualify as a comeback player of the year worthy uh, recognition. I think it should be injury. That should be the main premise of the award, so I will give that one to Saquon Barkley, although I have a feeling Geno Smith might just win that one. Let's move on to some predictions. Let me know what you think about that, by the way. Hit me up on those Twitters. Um, You know, we took 14 minutes to talk about that, but I think it's important to to reflect on that and talk about it at the end of the season. Um, I have not been diligent in posting my predictions. Again, I apologize for that. However, I have been doing my predictions. So just so you know, I went 175 and 97 uh, in my predictions. And, you know, that's not pretty bad. Not bad at all. Um, pretty pretty good job for, for myself down the stretch. Uh, and I'm, I, I usually am pretty decent at these playoff games. So I'm excited for what I have in store. We're going to go in order how they're going to be presented to us. So let's go to the Bay Area and start off with Seattle taking on the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to have a defensive point for each team, an offensive point for each team, and then the main prediction. Okay, Should be pretty quick, pretty good to go, um, considering I I also don't have anything for one of the games. Um, You'll see. Seattle. Geno Smith and Kenneth Walker, they need to be lights out. They need to be the entire identity of this football team on offense. Geno Smith and... Kenneth Walker, they need to have no turnovers on the day. They need to play perfect football. They need to have four or more touchdowns between the two of them. It like it needs to be lights out. They need to be perfect in every aspect of the game in order to beat the 49ers defense. If you give the 49ers defense any opportunity to cause a turnover or to swing momentum in their favor, they will do it and you will lose. On defense for the Seahawks, They need to force turnovers and put pressure on Brock Purdy. I am sick and tired of seeing Brock Purdy being able to throw a deep bomb to a wide-open receiver in the end zone and people saying, oh, he's got the accuracy of a Joe Montana or he's got the... Like, I I don't want to hear it anymore. He's throwing to an all-star lineup at wide receiver. 
he's throwing to all stars. Like it's it's crazy how much we're hyping up this rookie quarterback because he's the last pick of the last draft and he's coming in for Jimmy Garoppolo who can't throw anything. And oh, he's better than Garoppolo. He's he's doing all these great things. I I'm sorry. He's got a great roster around him. Props to the GM. Props for the the people making the decisions to put the roster together. But put pressure on Purdy. Make him make mistakes. Right? Make him have the entire weight of this football game on his shoulders and make mistakes. That's what, in my opinion, the Jaguars won their game against Tennessee last week. Because in the fourth quarter, when it mattered most, they forced Dobbs to get uncomfortable in the pocket in his second start of the NFL. He's been playing for six or seven years. And they rattled him. By getting in his face in the fourth quarter, causing an interception, causing him to fumble the ball twice, getting sacks, and getting in his face. You need to get into these inexperienced players' faces on defense in order to be able to make them make mistakes. You need to force at least two turnovers, or I don't see you winning this football game, Seattle. For the 49ers, 49ers cannot look ahead. You can't get ahead of the Seahawks. Do not look ahead to the divisional round. Do not start making flight plans or wherever you think you're going to go. You need to be present on offense. Purdy needs to be helped. They can't leave Purdy hanging. Just like, I know it's kind of like the antithesis to what I said for the Seahawks, but Purdy can't be your Atlas. He can't be holding up your entire team. You need Kittle. You need... Um, Christian McCaffrey, you need Debo Samuel, you need Brandon Ayuk, you need these players to be making huge contributions or else you're not going to win this football game. If you make Purdy bear the weight of the entire team in this matchup, you have a chance to lose. He doesn't have the experience for that. He doesn't have, he doesn't even have the college experience for that really. So Give him help. Don't leave him hanging. Get it schemed so that he can get hot early and get some confidence, right? On defense, you've got to stop the run. Make Geno Smith throw to Metcalf and throw to Lockett. Like, make them test you through the air. Um, I don't know if Smith can really hang with the 49ers defense right now. So you need to force them to become one-dimensional. I think it's going to be closer than you think. I don't think it's going to change the outcome for most people. Um, I think the 49ers win this one 27-25. And I think the Seahawks put up a really good fight. I think they make Purdy make a few mistakes and maybe show a blueprint of how to beat the 49ers in the divisional round for whoever they play. Um, but I think the 49ers still come out with a win on this one 27-25. Uh, Chargers taking on the Jaguars in Jacksonville. The Chargers have been hot down the stretch. You know, let's let's talk about it. Offensive, they've been pretty good. They've gotten their guys back together. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, they've been great with Austin Eckler. They need to score touchdowns, and they need Austin Eckler to be efficient on the run. Uh, Jacksonville did a fantastic job bottling up Derrick Henry last week. Trayvon Walker, Arden Key, Josh Allen, these guys on the front. Uh, they were doing a great job stopping one of the best running backs in the NFL. And they did the same thing to you in week four. 
they stopped Austin Eckler. They stopped Justin Herbert from being able to score touchdowns. And what the Chargers offense needs to do is score touchdowns, not field goals. You can't settle for field goals here. You need to score touchdowns against a Jags offense that scored 38 on you in the first uh, first time you guys played and has only gotten hotter and is coming off a couple of mediocre games, you know, a couple of mediocre offensive performances, and you know Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson are looking to start hot and to score a lot of points this game. That being said, Mike Williams hasn't practiced. You know, you you messed with fire and you got burned here, Staley. <laughs> Staley. Um, he hasn't practiced this week and he hasn't hurt back and it doesn't look good. I know a lot of Chargers fans are saying, oh, he's fine. He's going to be great. It's just a contusion. But he hasn't practiced all week. And that's not a great sign. Especially if he forces it and comes out and re-injures it in somehow, some way. It's not going to be good. And that Jaguars defense hits hard. Defense for the Chargers. They cannot allow Lawrence and Etienne to get the run going. You're one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. They cannot run all over you. If the Jaguars are able to establish the run and get a play-action pass going, you might as well just start looking up because the ball's going to be the ball's going to be behind you really fast. I think that it will be detrimental to their game if they allow Etienne and Lawrence and Jamichael Hasty, their uh, second string running back, if you allow them to start running the ball well. You need to tighten it up. You need to make Lawrence make plays. We saw the Titans in the Titans game. Lawrence wasn't able to make all the throws. So if you can rattle him a little bit and get him to make mistakes mentally, that's how teams have beaten the Jaguars this season. That's how teams have beaten the Jaguars in single um, score games is by forcing Lawrence to make mistakes and um, making those mental checkouts as you would. Is is Joey Bosa going to be healthy? He's practice limited um, the last couple of practices, but is he going to be okay? Staley's been kind of cryptic about his condition, saying that he wasn't really brought out because of injury, but he was brought out because he was injured um, in the last game. So I don't really know what Joey Bosa is up to, but is he going to be healthy? Is he going to play a few snaps and then come out of the game hurt again? Nobody knows. Jaguars, this offense cannot miss opportunities and expect to win. You were able to miss a few opportunities and beat the Titans, but it's it's the NFL playoffs now. You cannot miss opportunities. You've seen missed opportunities plague this team all season long and every time they miss opportunities like they did on last Saturday they've lost the game you saw it against Washington in the first part of the season you saw it against um, the Broncos you've seen it against the Giants but when they've taken those opportunities and taken what's in front of them and slowed down the game they were able to beat Baltimore and come back and win. They were able to beat the Raiders, come back and win. They were able to beat the Cowboys, come back and win. They're riding a five- or six-game win streak right now. You need to take what's in front of you if you're Trevor Lawrence in this offense, and you need to not be cute. Not be cute about it. Take the opportunities and score. Otherwise, you can't expect to win. Defense, 
that defensive front has turned on another gear the last few de- or last few games. They need to stay fierce and they need to take advantage of an offensive line in uh, Los Angeles that is not the strongest. They are it's not a very strong offensive line. So if you can take advantage of the offensive line of the Chargers and really get in Herbert's face and force him to force the ball when he shouldn't, which he is known to do at times, you're going to be able to force turnovers and really swing this game. Um, This has the makings, in my opinion, of a shootout. And I tend to go with the shootout for a team with a bigger defense. The Jaguars' defense has been big time as of late. They have been making big time stops, big time plays when it matters most, and I think that's going to be the difference in this football game. I'm going to take the Jaguars to win this one at home against Herbert and the Chargers. I think Jacksonville wins it 34-30, to and I think Herbert has a chance to win the game at the end of it with a fourth-quarter drive, and I think Jacksonville's defense shuts the door. Shuts the door within two minutes and doesn't allow the Chargers to win this football game. Let's talk Miami and Buffalo, or let's just not talk about it. Tua Tagovailoa is not going to play. Jalen Waddle is hurt. I don't know how Tyreek Hill is going to do, um, but I'm not going to waste time. This team is awful without Tua. They, they have been nothing. Their defense isn't that great. Their offense isn't that great without Tua. I think Buffalo wins this one 100 times out of 100 times. I'm not going to waste time talking about the Dolphins. I'm not going to waste time talking about the Bills. I think the Bills are going to be able to sit their starters in the fourth quarter, and I think they blow out the Dolphins 43-10. to 10. I really do. It's, it's going to be ugly. Number four, let's talk about the Giants taking on the Vikings. Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. That's it. That's all you need, Giants. That <laughs> You need those two players to play well, and you're going to be able to win this game. Um, if you can take advantage of a Minnesota defense that's been average at best over the last few weeks and score some major points against them, you're going to be able to win this football game. Your defense needs Wink Martindale to out-scheme McConnell and the offense. It's not really your players. I think you have great players. Thibodeau's great. Um, you've got you've got some great defensive pieces there. But I think you win if your scheme allows you to make Kirk Cousins uncomfy. If you're able to go in and disrupt the quarterback in Cousins... You're going to be able to force him to make mistakes, force him to fit the ball where he shouldn't, like we've seen teams be able to do all year long when they've beaten the Vikings. And you're going to be able to win this football game. If your defense can scheme that up, you're you're in good shape. Uh, for the Vikings, I think everyone's expecting Cousins and company to falter. They're expecting the Vikings to lose this game. I I don't I haven't heard a lot of media talk about the Vikings being able to come in and confidently win this game by double digits, you know. Um, They need to come out aggressive. You need to hit some deep shots right away 
deflate the heck out of the Giants. Get Justin Jefferson cooking right away and get hot early. On defense, you got to stop the run. Force Danny Jones to make this game all about him. Uh, force him to make all of the decisions and force him to win this game with his arm because I don't think he will be able to do that without the help of Saquon Barkley. So you stop the run, you win the game. I think this is a hot upset take for people. A lot of people taking the Giants. I don't see Minnesota losing this one. And in fact, I'm going to take them winning double digits. I'm going to take the Vikings winning 31-20. to Baltimore heading to Cincinnati and taking on the Bengals. Uh, without Lamar, Huntley, and Greg Roman, they're going to need to rely on a good scheme um, and J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins has to be great in order to win this football game. And you need to be creative, Greg Roman. You need to do something with the offensive scheme that wouldn't be done in the 1990s. <laughs> like You need to be creative. You need to be innovative. You need to use Huntley the way that a creative offensive coordinator should use them in a run pass option. Use them in these big moments to really swing the game with his legs as well as with the play action pass. That's how you're going to win this football game. The defense needs to get to Burrow quickly. The offensive line for the Bengals is not fantastic. We know this. You need to force Burrow to force the ball downfield so that your more experienced secondary can benefit and make the plays. That is a winning formula for Baltimore. If anything, Baltimore played a better game than the Bengals. Bengals had a great first part of the game, and that great first part of the football game on Sunday led them to be able to win the game because Baltimore wasn't able to close it out when they had all the momentum at the end of the game. Baltimore's riding momentum after week 18. And I think if they take that and carry it with Huntley at quarterback and with a defense that can force Burrow to make some mistakes, I think they have a chance to win this football game. The Bengals offense needs to commit to Joe Mixon. They have to have a two dimensional game. They have to be able to run the ball well with Joe Mixon. And if they can't, they need to protect Burrow. You need Burrow to have time to throw it downfield. You have a great trifecta of receivers there in Boyd, um, Chase, and Higgins. Great trifecta. But you need to protect Burrow, and you need to run the ball well. Defensive cannot underestimate Baltimore without Lamar Jackson. You need to go into this football game thinking Huntley is just as dangerous as Lamar Jackson. You were outplayed in the second half last week, Cincinnati. You were. And you're lucky to have come out of that with a win. But you need to not underestimate this football team. Otherwise, you will lose this game. This is my upset pick. This is my Baltimore squeaking out one here. I think Cincinnati turns the ball over four times. And I think Baltimore wins on a last-second field goal by Justin Tucker, 27-24. And Baltimore goes on to the divisional round. Finally, we got Tampa Bay taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Make no mistake about it, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are the worst team in this playoff. Um, Maybe second worst, other than the Dolphins. They've been abysmal. In order for them to win this game, they need a full 60 minutes where they're good. They don't even have to be great. They need to be good for a full 60 minutes. On defense for the Buccaneers, you need to stop Pollard. If Pollard gets hot, you will lose. 
just like everyone else when Pollard gets hot. <laughs> On Dallas, the offense really needs to step up. Dak Prescott needs to take care of the football, and the scheme that they run needs to be focused around Pollard and Elliott. They need to run a double-headed attack, and they need to get Pollard hot early so that they can hit the play-action pass and hit Gallup and C.D. Lamb over top in order to win this football game. On defense, um, you need to get Micah to Brady every single series. Micah Parsons needs to get to Tom Brady at least once every series. I don't think that's going to be a hard ask. In fact, I think he can do it every other down. I don't even need a sack. I need you to hit him. Hit that old sack of bones and get him off the ground. Or get him off his feet onto the ground. Micah Parsons needs to make sure that this defense of the Cowboys does not give Tom Brady, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin, and Leonard Fournette an inch. Don't allow them to get an inch. You know, the whole remember the Titans, we will not let them get another yard. You need to make sure that this defense is not given anything up to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you can do that, and if you can get to Brady often, don't even need to sack him. You need to hit him, get hands in his face, make him feel uncomfortable with that subpar offensive line for the Buccaneers. You will win this game. I think this is another upset favorite for people, you know, laughing at the Cowboys because they haven't won a playoff game recently. I just don't think Brady and the Bucks have the production. I don't think they have the ability to do this. You know, I know they're playing in Tampa Bay, but... I don't see it being able to happen with the way the season has gone with the, and I know it's Tom Brady and it's hard to bet against Tom Brady, but I'm going to go with the better team. The Cowboys are the better football team. And I think they're going to be able to put together a better game and they've been able to play better football. I think they haven't played great football down the stretch, the Cowboys, but I think they pick it up here and I think they pick up a win and they head to the division round of the playoffs. I'm going to take Dallas winning this one by 16. I think Dallas wins 37-21. to 21. So there you have it. I got the 49ers, the Jaguars, the Bills, the Vikings, the Ravens, and the Cowboys all winning this weekend. Let me know what you think. Hit me up on Instagram, at Harvey's Huddle. We're on Twitter, at Harvey's underscore Huddle. And we're on Facebook as well. Harvey's Huddle is the page name. Uh, again, hit me up on the social media. Let me know what you think. Let me know any questions you have. And I will be trying my hardest to get at least one podcast a week out here until the Super Bowl. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Take care. I'm Jackson Harvey. This has been Harvey's Huddle.